This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Well, you're also quiet this morning. I guess I'm going to have to work on you a little bit. Amen. All right. Well, I'm coming. Praise God. Just hang on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So good to see all of you this morning. Delighted you can be with us here in our uh, uh, Sunday morning service. Of course, uh, we're still uh, practicing a little bit of this distancing business, but it is important. I think they're going to share with you a little bit about our plans coming up for next week, our kids having children's church, and some of the uh, some of the NTP, I think, is going to be uh, reopened as well. So we're uh, endeavoring to get ourselves back to normal here. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you believe that's a good idea? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to thank you again for being here, and especially those of you that are still watching. Uh, we totally understand the circumstances of each and everybody's life, but we're just glad that you can be with us here this morning, praise God, hear the Word of God, because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're going to give you some Word today. It's going to bless you, praise God, and you'll enjoy it. So if you brought a Bible with you, I'd like for you to uh, open it with me to Lamentations. We're going to read the entire book together out loud. And we should be done in about 20 minutes. Hallelujah. No, not exactly. Lamentations chapter 3, if you can find that opening in your Bible. <clears throat> Lamentation chapter 3. Praise God. I know it's back there someplace where all the pages are stuck together, but you know, hallelujah. Huh? Yeah. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3. And if you found that, uh, great. Uh, if not, look on with the person who has. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And Father God, we're so grateful for your blessing in all of our lives. We thank you for our family, the church family. And we're grateful, Father God, that we can gather in the name of Jesus. And you said that when we come together, you're in our midst. And so we're excited, Father, about our future. We know, Father, that the things of God, that which is born of you, Father, and those that are children of God, that our future is bright. Hallelujah. And we're excited about it, and we thank you so very much for it. So, Father, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the freedom that comes from the promises you've made, we just thank you, Father God, for making them alive within the hearts of these, your people. And, Father God, I thank you for your blessing in this house today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's like a tree of life. Hallelujah. Hope deferred or pushed off for whatever reason makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, you know, it's like a tree of life. How many of you got really excited about the first car, brand new car you ever bought? Huh? How many of you don't care about a car? Okay, how many of you didn't buy that first car? Maybe your parents bought that car, but surely you were excited about the fact that you had some wheels. Yes? No? Okay, well, you know, so um, <clears throat> praise God. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to talk to you about expectation. It's a powerful, powerful thing in the life of an individual, in the life of a person. You know, having something out there that there's an expectation about it is just uh, such an incredible thing in the lives of people. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, well, another word we could use is hope. 
Isn't it interesting that <clears throat> uh, Brother Darrell uh, would talk about hope, that uh, uh, Tim, when he was leading, used that scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. I, I really think maybe God's trying to tell us something here. Hallelujah. That he wants us to have hope. Glory to God. Now, if you're going to listen to everything that's going on in the world, you are not going to have hope because it's not offering you hope. But Jesus is. And I can tell a little bit about, you know, what is going on here in the beginning of the service, that people are weighted down by listening to too much of the wrong thing. Can I get a witness? Are you listening to me? I, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that God wants us to live with expectation. He wants us to live with hope. Why? Because he is the God of hope. Hallelujah. And he wants all of us to live that way. And by definition, you know, the word hope is a confident and favorable expectation. E.W. Vines in his expository dictionary of New Testament words defines hope as a favorable and confident. Everybody say confident. A confident expectation. Hallelujah. And of course, hope has to do with, with the unseen. It has to do with the future, you know. And you know, a lot of times you look around, people are pretty questionable about, you know, what the future holds. Well, I tell you what, praise God, I know who holds the future. Hallelujah. And so do you. Are you listening to me? And so it's in that context that we really need to... Uh, uh, live our lives. And as a believer, we have every reason. Listen to me, you guys. I mean, if you're a child of God, dude, you got every reason to be hopeful. Everybody say hopeful. hopeful. Yeah, you have every reason to be hopeful. I mean, you know, it's like the Bible says, the psalmist said, you know, I mean, if, if all the earth is gathered up and tossed into the sea, thank God, God is still God and he is our God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And so the reason that we can be hopeful is because of the promises that God has made to you and I as his children. How many of you know he's made you some promises? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. That's what God said about you, his child. Hallelujah. And so praise God, it's important for you to understand what it is that he has promised. Hallelujah. I'm thinking about this in, a, in the context, you know, like with Abraham. He said, the Bible says, who against hope. In other words, when there was no hope, the Bible says, who against hope believed in hope that he would be the father of many nations. How many of you found lamentations yet? Hallelujah. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Are you listening to me? In other words, God promised this man that he of his own seed would have a child and become the father of many nations. And he was nearly 100 years old. I mean, you talk about hope being out the door. I mean, from a natural standpoint, certainly it would. But the Bible says that even when there was no hope, this man chose to believe in hope, hallelujah, that he would, he would um, have fulfilled in his life exactly what God said. How does that apply to you and me? Well, you know, again, promises have been made to us, you know, about what it is that God, and, and Tim just mentioned it, I know the plans I have for you. 
They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope, hallelujah, and a future. Amen. So what we need to do is we need to take or eradicate or extract the things that are telling us something else. And we need to focus and fix our gaze and our attention, hallelujah, on the promises that God has made to each and every one of us. Can you say amen? You know, I'll give you a great example. You know, when this all started back on the 15th of March and, you know, everybody was kind of reeling over how's this all going to work out and where are we going to go and, you know, even like with the church and things. And, and so we started live streaming and still doing that, of course. And, and, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, what was so awesome and so profound in that whole thing is the generosity and the support that all of you provided in helping the church to remain strong. And I mean, I tell you, you responded in an incredible way. On Easter, you know, we took up, we talked about having a, a significant, uh, you know, offering, uh, a significant gift. And so many of you did just that. And it was, it was an incredible thing. And the reason that I, I say that to you is, first of all, I want to thank you for what it is that you've done and are doing. But secondly, listen, secondly, I want you to live with an expectation, everybody say expectation, of a return on your giving. Because I know that you gave it out of your heart. It wasn't because you had to. I mean, you may have been locked up, couldn't spend any money, so you had extra. I don't know, but whatever it was. At the end of the day, it was because you had a desire to be a blessing to the kingdom of God and to be a blessing to the church. And so I just so, so, so appreciate your faithful uh, support and not only that, your engagement in that thing. And so <clears throat> because of that, uh, here's what you, you can and listen, should expect. And that is a return, a, a, a blessing to come your way. Can you say amen? And why is that important? Because God promises it. Now look at this verse of scripture, this text that I was asking you to find that I should have read a lot a long time ago. Look at it with me in Lamentations um, chapter 3 and verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. I hope your soul says that the Lord is your portion. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times, you know, we talk about salvation, you know, people think about it in the context of being born again or saved or whatever. But the word salvation is an all-inclusive kind of word. You know, we could put the word deliverer in there, you know, that, that God is our deliverer, you know, and, and, and it wouldn't take it out of its context. But again, look at that last verse where it says that when we're reading this in verse 26, it is good that a man or woman should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now, with that thought in mind, I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 4, okay? 
Philippians chapter 4. Now, one of the reasons that I'm communicating with you along these lines is I believe, personally, that it's something that, that uh, God really directed me to communicate with you. I, I believe that there's something God wants to do in every one of your lives, in every family that's gathered here today. But he needs something from us, and it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. He's, he needs some expectation. He needs some hope. He needs some faith. He needs somebody to believe, praise God, so that he can bring to pass what he desires to do within each and every one of our lives. Now, here is a, a, a promise that he has given to us. Now, again, I want you to think about it in the context of your participation in your giving, whether it was tithes or offerings or both or however that kind of manifested itself. But notice this 19th verse in chapter 4, a promise text that, that we have here where God himself says, but my God shall supply, everybody say supply. My God shall supply all your need. Woo! According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Some other translations say this, that God will supply every need of yours. Come on. Another translation says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Another translation says he will meet all your needs. And then finally, the Amplified Bible says that he will liberally supply or fill to the full. Glory to God. You know, God has no lack. You know, when you look at nature, there's no deficiency in God. I mean, there's nothing but plenty. Hallelujah. I mean, even right down to the weeds. I mean, they grow. Hallelujah. There's plenty. There's no deficiency. There is no lack. And this God is declaring to you and I, come on now, that he will, he will supply all your need, hallelujah, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Now, the reason that I share that is, is that you can and you should expect this return on your giving. And I mean, it's not like, you know, we're keeping track necessarily, but there ought to be an expectation. Why? Because we're being obedient. We're doing what it is that he said. Hallelujah. And so we ought to look for it. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about his, his earthly ministry and <clears throat> what it was that he was doing. He's talking about giving and receiving and, and support from people. And he made this statement. He says this. He says, he who plows should plow in hope. And the Bible says that he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. Not that long ago, and maybe still a little bit of it's going on, there were a whole bunch of farmers, man, they were like ants out there. And they were going to town, baby. And they're putting stuff in the ground. Why? Because they're in, they have a hope, an expectation that come about September or October, whenever it is, you know, that there's going to be a harvest. Are you listening to me? Farmers are never so happy as when they're out there planting stuff. You know, and they're never, ever, ever so happy when they're out there taking it back in and there's a lot of it. Are you listening to me? 
So there's this expectation. Well, the same thing's true with our lives. And, and let, me think, let me talk to you about it in the context of a, a life well-lived, a, a, an entire life of living for God. I'm not talking about a moment. I'm not talking about a, a month where you're in dire need and you're show, sure hoping that God is going to show up. I'm talking about a way of life, a way of living, a, a lifetime of serving God. You know, when, when Abraham was 75 years old, he took off and followed God because God asked him to do it. But it wasn't but 25 years later before God actually made good on his promise with that guy. Most people don't want to wait 25 minutes. But listen to me. We, read, we, we sang about it this morning. We talked about the faithfulness of God. Well, you know, God is faithful. But guess what? We need to be faithful too. Are you with me? You know, I remember Brother Hagin, he was the founder of the Bible school I attended and my mentor, and he said, you know, God doesn't always pay up every Friday, but sooner or later, he does. And so you have to stay faithful. Are you listening to me? Just like those of you that are here today and those of you that are watching, you know, uh, uh, digitally, you know, because, you know, when we walk with God, when we obey God, when we do the will of God, I'm telling you, without question, there is always an eternal and a temporal reward that comes with our obedience. Are you listening to me? And see, the thing that trips people up so often is, is that, you know, something goes wrong, something goes sideways, and they thought it to be one way, and it turned out to be another, and so they, they become disillusioned. They don't understand, God, you know, where are you in all of this? It happened to Peter, you know. He said, oh, God, you know, Jesus, I'll never forsake you, you know, and as a matter of fact, for it was over with, he did it three times. He denied him, he denied him, he denied him. And it, it, it broke his life. He, he, he thought, who am I? What, 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 what is going on here? But you know, when Jesus was resurrected and he was talking, well, you know, to the, to the gals, one of the gals, he said, you go tell the disciples and Peter that I will meet him in Galilee. Did you know that God doesn't give up on you just because you give up on him? Huh? He knows better. And really, you know, in your heart of hearts, you don't want to give up, do you? No. I said, you don't want to give up. Why? Because the answer is hidden in him. Our hope is in our God. Glory to God forevermore. And so, you know, if something of that nature has happened where your life is concerned, sometimes people go through, you know, tragedies like divorce and different stuff. And, and they just said, you know, I didn't sign up for this. What's going on here? Well, God hasn't changed. He never changes. You know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, may be difficult for us to understand or, or, or be able to explain, but yet God is still faithful. And sometimes you just have to pick up whatever you got and get moving. Am I in the right house? Hallelujah. And God wants us to have this kind of expectation in our lives. You know, <clears throat> let, me, let me mention uh, something here because I want to qualify my statements because when I, when I make this statement that we could, we can, and we should expect the return on our giving, I am not talking about giving to get. In other words, let me, let me qualify the motive behind what I'm telling you this morning. Because there can be some real confusion in this. But giving as you have done into the kingdom of God is not a giving to get proposition, but it is a loving response and an obedience to something God has asked us to do. 
Are you with me? It's a loving response. You know, if you love Jesus, then you're going to do what it is that he said. Am I with you? Are you with me? I'm with you. For sure I'm with you. The question is, you with me? Yeah. And, and here's the thing, that when we do it in a, as a loving response to what he's asked us to do, there is with it a promise. Are you with me? And it's that promise that you and I can have in our hearts as an expectation, glory to God, of God doing significant things in our lives and hallelujah, you know, making a difference. Now, of course, there is a law of sowing and reaping many times, you know, when it comes to the offering or something, people will be encouraged in their giving, you know, because as a man sows, so shall he also reap. There's, a, there's principles of seed time and harvest and, and all of that is part of it. But I, but I want to emphasize that I'm not talking about it in the context that I'm just going to give to get because, you know, somebody told me that if I do this, then I get a lot of money from God. I remember years and years ago, we had a, a person that came in, and actually it was a couple, came into the church and they began to attend. And we were teaching on principles of faith and giving to God, things of that nature. And, and, and somehow or another in the context, we were talking about a hundredfold return. And, and so... You know, again, you're talking about someone that was unlearned, but they had somehow or another extracted from whatever was being said that if you give so much, God will give you a hundredfold return on it. Okay? So they, they, you know, they decided, man, I'm in. But here's the problem. They started keeping track of how much money that they had been giving to the church. And after about two months and they didn't see their hundredfold return, guess what? They vaporized. They were gone. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, if you're a novice or if you're, you're unlearned, sometimes you can misinterpret. But, but here's my point to that. It's all about your heart. Are you with me? And in this situation, it wasn't about a, a loving response of obedience to our Heavenly Father to participate in giving it was something else. And so their involvement with the church was short-lived. You know, how many of you know you have to keep your motives right? You know, even when we talk about tithing, you know, there's no condemnation. You know, we, we encourage people to tithe, not because, you know, we're trying to put some heavy weight on them. You know, we're doing it because we, we realize that God's word works. That's all. And, and, and I, as a pastor, certainly would be amiss if I didn't encourage you to participate in, in giving, whether it be through tithes and offerings or whatever the case might be. Because I know that when you cooperate with kingdom principles, that God's blessing will come to you. Are you with me? And that's a fact. Now, you know, people, well, I don't believe that, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, that's your choice. But I'm just telling you, praise God, God's word works. So again, I want to remind you that many of you in your involvement in giving here for the past several months and even longer before that, I mean, I want you to look forward with expectation as to what it is that God wants to do for you in your life. Promotions, you know, benefits, uh, pay raises, increases, you know, whatever. Hallelujah. Let's trust him and let's believe him for it. Now, you know, I'm doing better preaching, you're doing amen, but that's all right. I mean, you know, the lights are down low. We're going to turn those back up, you know, uh, next week so that, you know, you, you need glasses. Hallelujah. There won't be no sleepy time. It'll just be giddy up.
I'm reading out of the uh, New Living Translation, Malachi. It says this. It says, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And he says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, uh, for your whole nation has been cheating me. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I like that. He said, I will open, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I think this is the only place that I can find the scripture where God says, prove me. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. Now, of course, if you're not in an agricultural environment, it's going to be something else wherever you, know, you find your uh, vocation to be in. But he says, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land uh, will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Woo! Huh? Will a person cheat God? Now, some people immediately, they come up and they say, well, you know, that, that whole tithing business was Old Testament, and, you know, uh, we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, nothing could be, be further from the truth, okay? Understand the reason for tithing, and that is simply this. It is about lordship. That's what tithing does. It says, your Lord. Are you with me? Stay with me for a second here. Because the thing you need to understand is, is before the law showed up and it talked about the tithe and all that, it started way back in the garden, okay, with the tithe. You say, what do you mean? The, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God said, you can partake of anything and everything else that's out here, but that tree is mine. So what that does is it represents honor, it represents respect, and it represents authority or lordship, okay, where God is concerned. Well, unfortunately, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. It caused a real problem. Cain and Abel. You know, the first murder that occurred on this planet was because of an offering. You know, Cain and Abel. Abel brought the very best of his uh, 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 herds to the Lord as an offering. And, and Cain decided he was going to bring him some onions, you know. And, and obviously, we don't have it in the narrative, but obviously God had given them, you know, the guidelines. What he should have done is went down to his brother and bought a bunch of stuff, you know, some of the best stuff, and then took it to God. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to give you whatever I got. And if you don't like it, tough. Well, you know, it created a real problem. Am I in the right house? You know, and so away it went. When the nation of Israel went into uh, uh, Canaan's land, you recall the, what was the first city that they, they uh, overcame or conquered? It was Jericho. And what God told them was, this city is mine. 
It, it, it doesn't use that kind of language, but the essence of it was that. You know, it is, um, can't think of the word right now. So, all God was saying is, is that this first fruits of all of the cities or nations, the, the things that you were going to go in and conquer, this one's mine. Well, you know what happened? They went in, they conquered it, but one guy decided he was going to put his hand in the bag, took a bunch of, you know, things, you know, gold, silver, and whatever, and hid it in his tent, a minor right house, and it brought a curse. You know, I didn't, I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible, okay? Because he, he put his hand where it didn't belong. Come on. And as a result, the next time they went out on one of their military campaigns, they came back with their tails between their legs, and they had been injured, and, and they had been at loss. And Joshua went before God, and he said, what's going on here? And he says, well, you got sin in the camp. And so they went through, think about it, two and a half million people, and they got to comb through all of these people to find this guy that hid a bunch of stuff in his tent. Are you with me? Well, the consequence was very, uh, very sore. He and all of his family and everything were destroyed as a result of it, okay? And we could go on and on and on, you know, I mean, where people, you know, uh, uh, you know, Abraham, for example, this is before the law, but, or I mean, he came and he gave a tenth to Melchizedek, you with me? So the principle is there, and again, it's really important, you know, whenever you start talking about people and money, they get real quiet, you know, because that's your stuff. Am I, with, are, am I in the right house? So, you know, the pastor's going to stand up and say, hey, you want to be blessed? Give 10%. And they go, uh, I don't think I want to do that. But if you understand the principles of giving and receiving, and you understand the principle of his lordship, dude, it is the best investment you will ever make in your life. Because it doesn't mean just money. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and I will command my blessing on your storehouses. He'll bring health and healing and wholeness. I mean, I can't tell you the times when my wife and I, if our, our, our children took sick or something, I mean, we'd come before God and we'd say, God, we're a tithing family. We're obeying you. We're doing what we need to do. And this is a violation of the covenant that we have with you. And we would come against it with confidence. Come on. See, if you're not living for God and you're not obeying God, you ain't got no confidence. You can't talk to him. Well, you can. But you got no ground to stand on. Am I in the right house? How many of you are still glad you came? Amen. Amen. But I'm telling you this much about it, if, you, if, you, if you'll just learn to change the way you think, don't listen to everybody and all this and that and the other and whatever, come on, listen to God and what it is that He's telling you and make the decision that you're going to do it. Because I'm telling you what, praise God, here's what you need to know, God will supply every need you have. And I believe that. Look at this scripture with me. Uh, Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Wind's blowing out there. <clears throat> this is a story I've, I've referred to many times about Jehoshaphat. 
and um, the kings that came against him, and he won an improbable victory, and he didn't even have to lift his hand. All he had to do is send out the praisers. All he had to do is obey God. He says, go out, send the praisers out, I'll take care of it. The battle's not yours, but mine. But before, listen, before all of this happened, I want you to notice this exhortation that he gave uh, to the people of Israel in verse 20. They rose early in the morning. They went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now listen, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Hallelujah. Everybody say established. How many of you know God wants you to be established? He wants there to be a foundation within your life. But he says, believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established, believe in his prophets, and you will prosper. Well, so the key, the key to this is believing. Everybody say, I believe God. Please learn to trust him and believe him. Hallelujah. Work on it. You know, maybe you don't start out, you know, with the full measure of it or whatever, but, 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 but get to going. And begin to believe him and stretch, hallelujah, because he wants you to have this in your life. Expect it. Expect more. Expect uh, expansion. Expect proliferation within your life. I'm telling you what, praise God, I believe the people in my church ought to be the ones that are doing all the leading. The ones that own the businesses. The ones that are, you know, going somewhere. Why? Because you'll find the gospel. And we can get this thing done and we can go home. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? But a lot of people, you know, they're just so small-minded. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, praise God. God wants you to, he wants you to be on top. I mean, if there, there's people that are running a company, it might as well be you. Are you with me? Or owning it, you know? I talked to a guy just this last week. My son and I, we went on a trip, took two boys up and, and went and seen this guy. He owned a, he owned a business in, uh, out in Nebraska. And uh, he had 150 employees in his company. He sold it for a boatload of money. Now he sits around, you know, and he's got these, these, uh, these self-storage units. And he just is as happy as a clam, man. You know, he's got these self-storage units, he makes money off of them, and he goes out and sees his daughter, and, you know, he goes to Minneapolis, goes to wherever, whatever. Well, it didn't start that way, huh? But he, he did something, he built something, and, and now here, you know, all of a sudden he's in a... Di- I mean, God wants to do that for you guys. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And it might take some extra work, no question about that. But I tell you what, again, expect it and listen, change the way that you think. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. There are a lot of good books that are available that can help you with that. You know, um, here's the thing. I, I think about my own life. You have to change the way that you think about money. You know, God wants to make money your servant, Well, that's a new concept for a whole lot of folk. Are you listening to me? I mean, that's that's never occurred to them. But, you know, we live in in a world sometimes where it's just hand to mouth and just getting by. God doesn't want you to just get by. You know, lack and deficiency did not come from heaven. Are you with me? But abundance did. You know, um, uh, (laughs) 
I can only talk about it from my own standpoint. But when I was 19, I finally got smart enough to give my life to Jesus. And he began to teach me. And I began to learn. Things that I, I, I didn't know anything about. You know, depending on what your background is, where you come from. I come from an alcoholic family. My dad was an alcoholic. He died of cirrhosis of liver when he was 59 years old. You know, and so I, I grew up in this environment. And, and, you know, before you look down your nose at everybody else about how they're living and whatever, dude, you, didn't, you haven't walked in their shoes, so shut up. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and it, because it happens all the time. You know, we're always judging everybody else. But you know what? They don't care about you and what you think. And I can tell you right now, if you're looking down the, your nose at them, you're never going to reach them. Am I in the right house? Come on. So, you know, I grew up in this family, you know. And, and uh, so the mindset, you know, about money was never having enough. I grew up in a shack, you know, both porches were falling down, you know, when you'd, when you'd step in the door, you know, a little storm door there, you'd step on the porch, all of the uh, floor joists underneath this porch, they were all rotted out, so it, it had this thing going on when you walked across it, you know, and, but, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think nothing about that, it's just where I live, are you with me? You know, you look down the street, and you see other people, and they buy these houses, and they're nice, and this and that and the other, but that was not my deal. But I tell you what, I got to learning that I didn't have to live this way, that God didn't want me to. Now, you know, before Jesus, I didn't have a clue. But when I met him, I thought, you know what? There's something better that, that God has for me. And listen, there's something better that God has for you. Some of you younger people are in here, you have your whole life in front of you. I mean, you have opportunity like you cannot believe. If you're willing to do the things that you need to do, but you have, you have to begin to learn and believe, uh, learn to think differently, okay? People, you know, always try to put their thumb on you. They'll tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. You still with me? Now, you know, when we first got married... How many of you know I married up? You know what I mean by that? I married way up. And I'll tell you the reason why I married up is because she was a person of character. Young men, listen to me. If you're looking for a woman, dude, and they got no character, run! Just run! You know, if they're sitting around eating bonbons and got no plans and going nowhere and looking for somebody you know that's going to take care of them and all that, Run! Huh? You say, is that good advice? I think it is. You thank me later. Send me an offering. Hallelujah. No, you want somebody, praise God, that's got some substance to them. Amen. Don't compromise. I'm going off on another tangent here. You know, get you a believer. Don't get you some, you know, uh, foreigner some kind of, you know, whatever, and they got all kinds of ideas about this. Find somebody that believes God and believes in God and serves God. It's worth the wait. Hallelujah. I remember when my uh, <clears throat> wife and I, we got out of Bible school. We, again, you know, we don't know nothing. 
But we were tithers. I made $406 a month. And I gave God 40 of it. And it left me 360. Guess what? That ain't a lot. You know? But I, we did it. And it was hard. You know? I mean, 40 bucks out of that, that's, that's a big deal. But we did it. And so, so when, we, when we came back home, thank God, like I said, I married up. But her, her mom and dad said, you know, we need to buy you a house. We need to get you a house. And I'm thinking to myself, a house? You know? I ain't got two nickels to rub together. And he takes, they take us out. He finds this place, her dad, finds this place. We go out there, man, it's overgrown with weeds. It's got, the siding is a mess. The inside is like, and I mean, you know, it's, it's not good, but it's, it's good bones. You know what I mean by that? Okay. In other words, there's potential there. All we had to do is be willing to roll up our sleeves, start mowing the lawn, throw some paint or siding or something on this thing and make it a home. And we went to work. And it cost $40,000. You guys, I remember when I was a kid, I was 20, we would have been uh, 22. She was 21. We bought the, I thought, Doug, my God, I'm going to be a slave <laughs> to whoever it is I'm borrowing this money from Forever. I, it, the idea of that amount of money for me at the time was just, yeah, it was overwhelming. That's a good word. You know, now, thank God her folks, you know, were used to, and this is what I'm talking about, changing the way that you think. Because the thing is, is that, you know, her, her, her dad uh, owned 800 acres, which at that time is a big deal, free and clear, come on, and he raised I don't know how many head of cattle. I mean, but he worked all the time, you know? Are you listening? How many of you know you got to work? You sit around and watch the world go by, dude, and the only thing that will show up are bills. Are you with me? you got to work. So anyway, you know, they're, they're familiar with these kind of numbers. It wasn't a big deal to him or he wouldn't even been guiding me that way, you know. And we got this FHA loan, you know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't borrow money on the whole thing. So I had to borrow $25,000 from them and another 15000 on a contract with the people that we were buying the ground from. Well, like I said, man, I ain't never been in this world. And I'm, I, my head is spinning. I had some great evenings in bed thinking about what I'm about to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you know what? We made it. I said, we made it. You know, and of course, I'm sure that her parents, you know, all the time said, well, you know, if they can't do it, we'll help them or whatever the case might be. But thank God we did it. And we went to work. And we took that thing that was back in 1978. We bought this place. And... Um, and then 23 years later, we sold that place for a couple hundred thousand dollars, a, a little over, yeah, a little over $200,000, you know, and we bought the place that we now live on, okay? And uh, so, so think about this. We're talking about changing the way you think. How many of you know God wants you to have better? I said he wants you to have better, but it doesn't happen overnight. We stayed in one place for three years or 23 years. We expanded the home because my wife kept getting pregnant. I don't know why, she, you know, how that all worked out. But anyway, she kept having these kids, so we got to have more room. Like, she's the only one that had anything to do with that. But anyway, 
So we added on to the home. We, we increased its value. You know, there are a lot of people right now, they don't want to buy a home. You know, there's some people that they don't think. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but for most people, that home is the biggest asset that they might have where their lives are concerned as they go down the road of life. Now, if, if you're doing other things, you know, and you just don't want the hassle of, you know, taking care of the lawn, doing all that kind of stuff, I get that. But praise God, don't end up at the end of your life. This is great advice, I'm telling you what. Now it's only 11.02. You know, but, but don't get to your end of your life and you spend it all and you don't have anything. Minor right house. I'm talking about changing the way you think. I know this is a long ways from expectation and hope, but it's good anyway. Come on. Because God wants you to have better. So, so we sold that home for 200 and, I don't know, a few thousand dollars. And we bought the home that we're in. You know, and I think when we bought that home, we, we spent $325,000 for that house. Well, that was 20 years ago. Are you with me? But I never would have bought the $325,000 house if I hadn't bought the $40,000 house and grew up into it because it appreciated and be able to take that and put it on the one I got now. Are you with me? And I tell you, you talk about people talking. Oh, my God. Talk. You know, don't, don't, don't bother or trouble yourself about what other people say about you. Okay, because everybody's going to have something to say. And usually it's not good. Okay, but you know, we built that home, praise God, and we've been enjoying it now for almost 20 years. Hallelujah. You know, but now, today, you know, just to buy a, a pretty modest home, I think it's probably 300000 Isn't that right? I mean, you don't get much, you know. And, and, and so my point in all this rambling is that if you will do the things you need to do in your relationship with God, He will continue to add to you. My wife and I were counting our blessings this last week. And we talked about how blessed we are with our children, that they're all living for God, you know, and serving God in the kingdom of God. And, and, and I mean, it don't get any better, you know. And the things, uh, so we're sitting on our porch, you know, and we're, we're looking out and, and we're just talking about, well, she made the statement, dad would be proud of us because her, her father made an investment in us. Nobody minds investing if you can get something out. Huh? You know? And she said, Dad would be proud of us, and Mom would be too. And I said, yes, and they're the ones that helped us make it happen. You know, when people give you a leg up, you know, when they help you take advantage of it and be grateful. Are you listening to me? It may not be much, but it's an opportunity. And if you take it and use it to your advantage, you can multiply it and make it greater. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to think about this. I, I got a couple other statements that I think will help you. Stop looking over the fence at someone else and whatever it is that they're doing and drive down the road that God has given to you. Huh? You know, the Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. You know, I could have looked around at my peers and I could have said, well, they got more than I do or they're doing this or whatever the case. Dude, God's got a road for you. I know the plans I have for you, 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 you. 
Plans to prosper you. It may not look like what somebody else is doing, but don't trouble yourself about that. Hallelujah. Just keep going. So don't look on over the fence at someone else. Just drive down the road that God has for you. Number two, surround yourself with people who think and believe in line with the Bible. Did you hear me? Surround yourself with people that think and believe in line with the Bible. If they don't, find new friends because they won't help you. They speak disparagingly about God. What are you doing hanging out with them anyway? Child of God, come on. You know, uh, they're, not, they're not something. Here's, here's the thing, and i got to close. But um, I want to get back to having church. Come on. This little, you know, whatever. But you know, the greatest change in my life regarding money came from a $150 offering. I mean, you know, it don't sound like a big deal, but I'm telling you, I was in a meeting over in Omaha, Nebraska at 72nd and Grover, and God, I was in this meeting, and God started dealing with me about giving this $150 to the minister, to the preacher. And, and I only had like $159 in my checking account. Maybe 56, now that I think about it. And, you know, we had a serious wrestling match going on. Because, you know, I was thinking about, well, how am I going to make it to the next paycheck or whatever the case might be? And yet God says, give it to him. And I had this. Now, let me qualify this. Don't go home and empty your checking account. Okay? This is something that God spoke to me. You know, it isn't like, well, you know, Pastor Mike, he just emptied his account, man. God just did Wrong, 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 wrong. This was just a moment within my life. It was a test. Thank God I passed it. Because, I mean, you know, just before the offering plate got to me, I cut this check and I threw it in there. And you know how it is. You, I mean, some of you probably done this before in your own life. God's dealing with you about giving a large offering or some kind of offering, whatever the offering is. And you know you're just in a panic because you know it's God. But, you, you know, what are we going to do here? Come on. And after you do it, you go, my God, what have I done? Huh? But you know what? I knew that in the aftermath of that, I had done what he asked me to do. And it wasn't too many days after that that I was in the living room of my home and God came and visited me with a revelation about money. And he changed my life forever. He gave me a scripture. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, 28. Come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly heart, you'll find rest into your souls. It was in all of that along with a challenge that he had given to me you know, about uh, the job employment that I was in at the time. And uh, I'm going to, I, I want to share this with you because it, it, it's all relevant, you know. And so, and it started with that offering, you guys. Did you hear me? And, and, and I obeyed. So I don't know whether it was two weeks after that or whatever the case might be. He comes to me and he challenges me. It's kind of like this scripture, prove me. And, and, and the job I was in, I, I went and knocked doors and solicited for a siding company, or actually a salesman, uh, to put siding on the house. 
If you work seven hours a day, you know, you're not sitting in McDonald's drinking iced tea, wishing, you know, telling yourself it's too hot and I don't want to be out there and all that. But if you go out there for seven hours a day, you get two to maybe five what I would call quality leads. You got to knock doors, dude. It's, it's a law of average, you know. And, and so we were in, I was in Fremont, Nebraska. And um, the Lord challenged me. He says, how many leads will you get? I mean, it was just like, come on, prove me. Test me, buddy. What do you think? This next week, how many leads will you get? And I said, you know, I'm thinking about this, you know, and I'm doing the math and I'm thinking, you know, maybe you might get 10 to 15 in a week. And, and so I said, 70. And you know what, you guys? I'm telling you, God is my witness. I would walk up to people's doors, knock on them, they'd answer and go, I've been waiting for you. Or I've been looking for this. And I told the guy I was working for, I said, I'll have 70 quality leads for you by the end of the week. And he goes, yeah, right. And he was a believer too. I said, no, I'll have them. And I'm telling you, supernaturally, I went out every day and I would get eight or nine leads. Seven, eight, nine. And I'd come back with him. And he said, are these, are these quality leads? I said, every one of them. And before it was over with, I had 69 leads at, when the week was over. And uh, this is just before my wife and I are going to Bible school. And I handed him 69 leads, and we always had those door knockers, those things you hang on the deals. And uh, one of those came in after it was all over with sometime. 70. I mean, you know, I'm telling you, Jeff, if I'd have said 100, he'd have showed up. But, but my whole point to that is, is that all of that happened, and there's a whole lot more to the story if I could go on a few years down the road after that. <laughs> but I, I don't have time. But I'm just telling you, that if you will learn to change the way you think about money and let God, you know, know that you're, you're in with Him and that you're going to be faithful, I'm telling you what, praise God, heaven will open up for you. Because God is bound by His Word, is He not? Okay? Young people, I hope that you'll take what it is that I have shared with you today because I am telling you that if you want to set a course for your life that brings blessing then become a tither and do what it is that God says, and he will lead you and guide you. You can have religion. You know what religion is? It's form without power. It's where people just show up, you know, and that's all it is. And get whatever it is that you can out of life. Or, thank God, you can have the spirit of faith, and you can believe God, and God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think because of the power of God working in you. Amen? Amen. Everybody say it together. The best, the best. Is, yet is yet to come. Say this with me. The Lord, the Lord. is on my side. God is for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I'll tell you this much about it. If we had time, we could go around and people could testify to, you know, in their obedience to God and what God has done. But understand this. It ain't going to happen overnight, but it will happen. I said it will happen. That was 41 years ago, maybe 42 when we bought that house. We've come a long way, baby. Hallelujah. So anyway, let's stand. It is now